Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It feels like there have been a lot of really interesting and different Star Trek books published lately, and I'm having a lot of fun kind of looking through them and getting to know them all. I'm Dan Gunther. This is Positively Trek. With me as he is every week is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, how are you doing today? I'm doing especially well today. I've had a few drinks, a few Uh cocktails. (laughs) Uh, Not really. Right now we're recording at 10 o'clock a.m. my time. So no, I haven't been drinking, but I'm pretending I have. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah, and and one of the books we're going to be talking about today with the author of said book uh, would be really helpful in that manner, of course, for sure. So uh, joining us for today's episode is Glenn Dakin, author of three new Star Trek books that have come out in recent months. Uh, He's also a uh, cartoonist and a writer, and uh, we're really happy to have him on Positively Trek. So Glenn, welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to be on the show. Excellent. Really happy to have you here. So yeah, we have these three books. We do have a couple of news stories that we're we're going to talk about at the top of the show here as well before we get into that. Uh, So first of all, uh, really quickly... We had Anson Mount, who, of course, played Captain Christopher Pike in season two of Star Trek Discovery and will be playing him in the upcoming Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And he's joined an interesting scientific effort to make first contact with aliens, uh, METI, kind of a successor to the SETI program. And METI stands for Messaging Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Uh, So, Bruce, had you uh, heard this announcement I did. I heard something earlier than that, too, where he said he had an announcement coming out the next day. Mm -hmm. And, of course, my mind, and I know some other people's minds, went to, oh, it's got to be something about Strange New Worlds. We're getting an announcement. And, no, this is about Anson Mount actually looking for aliens. I assume that he's enjoyed being on Star Trek and working with fake aliens that he now wants to find the real ones. <laughs> and, I mean, you're not wrong. It was kind of about Strange New Worlds, just not the Strange New Worlds that that we were thinking. So, yeah, interesting uh, interesting development here. NASA and, and different groups like that and, and Medi and SETI have always used uh, the voices of people in pop culture and, and Star Trek has a long history of that as well, uh, of being kind of voices for that scientific community. So really interesting that he's getting involved in this. Yeah, I, I, I want to know, can we get involved? I really don't know much about this. Is this something that we can participate in or be involved or follow or something. Cause I mean, I want to be on board with finding aliens. Don't you? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, you can definitely follow. Um, if you, I'll I'll have a link to the story in the show notes. Uh, you can follow Anson Mount, uh, his tweet there as well as the Medi program. I'll have a link to their Twitter. It's really interesting. I've, I've just started kind of reading up on it. I, I, familiar with SETI, but I haven't learned a lot about this Medi group. So uh, pretty cool. Aren't we kind of scared? Glenn, are you afraid that we might get invaded <laughs> by doing this? Well, it's kind of interesting because it's kind of like, well, I suppose with SETI was kind of like listening out for aliens and, and this new one is messaging them. So what happens if one group messages mm-hmm. them and then the other group gets the reply? Will they, will they share it or will they, uh, will they say, no, no, it's our reply, you know, it's kind of strange. It's like one one group is messaging and one group is receiving. <laughs> the, I think the real danger is if they get their wires crossed and start talking to each other and really think like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> they, <might> act- <laughs> they probably prank each other a lot with messages. I'm guessing you can probably bounce uh, messages off the atmosphere in some clever way if you're a scientist and uh, prank the other team into thinking <laughs> they've, they've got the thing ones coming. I almost feel like this is a generational thing that that SETI was set up by an older generation of listening, and now we have millennials in there saying, "No, we have to be texting with them. We have to be it's messaging." About us. 
it's all about us in the past yeah we were we were ready to listen you know we wanted to discover what's out there now it's all about us we're going to tell them you know who we are and what what, what what's getting what's getting us down and uh how we can make the universe a better place <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I foresee all kinds of things like misinterpreting emojis and, and yeah, this, <laughs> this could get really bad. <laughs> Alien emojis. <laughs> what is, what does this eggplant emoji mean? I don't get this. All right. Anyway. But you know, we can be messaging Star Trek stuff too, to these aliens. Actually, we can make the aliens think our planet is Star Trek, that the planet does have starships and such. And they, they may be a little more hesitant to attack us if they know that we have the Enterprise in orbit. If we've got a federation behind us, yeah, they're going to be a lot less likely to come over here with their slimy tentacles and, uh, you know, start creeping around. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, that's that's one. They might see us as more of a threat, though. I don't know. That That's a that's a dangerous... Depends which episodes they're watching. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe we should send them Doctor Who episodes, too. Yeah, if we send them Doctor <laughs> Who, they'll be like, this planet gets invaded on a weekly basis, so we might we might as well have a go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, unfortunately, there's also some sad news this week uh, that we've had to report on, and I just learned this uh, this morning. So uh, Herb Solo, one of the producers who sold Star Trek to NBC, has recently passed away at the age of 89, and... Uh, you know, I've been a Star Trek fan since I was a little kid and, and watching TOS reruns on uh, on CBC television here in Canada. And, you know, you see the names, these names pop up across the screen every episode and you don't necessarily know who they are or or what relation they have to Star Trek. And of course, Herb Solo was one that you see almost every week in episodes of Star Trek and you know, really reading about his history with Star Trek and what he did. So, you know, he was involved in selling the idea from Desilu Studios to NBC after it had been rejected by CBS and uh, working with Lucille Ball on getting this going and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it really makes you appreciate how many people and were, were involved in the creation of Star Trek and the importance of them. So uh, definitely very sad news today. Yeah, I'm very much into television history and I work in the industry and, you know, his connection to Star Trek is interesting to me. But the fact that he did work with Lucille Ball was brought in by her to come into Desilu and help things out and work with other series like Mission Impossible and Mannix to get those uh, distribution deals done. And in addition to that, I see here that he worked at MGM for quite a while and, and handled the distribution of their content at MGM. Uh, and he was also VP of worldwide motion picture and television production uh, and head of their Culver City studios. So yeah, quite impressive. Um, yeah, he also wrote books, Star, Inside Star Trek, The Real Story, and the Star Trek Sketchbook. So yeah, he's he's had a lot of fingerprints on Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Inside Star Trek was definitely a very influential book uh, over the years. And, and I definitely remember uh, at least paging through that a little bit as a kid. So um, yeah, definitely a huge impact on Star Trek and the world of, of television and film um, besides that as well, even a, a brief stint at Hanna-Barbera, which is interesting. There's, there's so many different facets of this career is really cool. Yeah. I see at Hanna-Barbera, he was producing the live action series that they did called Man mm -hmm. from Atlantis, which is very odd because most of what they did was animated. Yeah. I didn't even know that existed. So that, that's really fascinating. Well, yeah. So speaking of uh, Star Trek and uh, Star Trek books, of course, as I said, Glenn Dakin, you're uh, the author of three recent Star Trek books, uh, which we will definitely get into here. I also want to talk a little bit about uh, how you initially became a Star Trek fan and that sort of thing. So um, when did you first become a fan of Star Trek? Uh, I, well, it's a kind of funny thing in a way, because uh, I don't know whether I have to blame this on my parents. But when I was growing up, I, I missed the series completely the first time around. And I had two pals. Uh, we, I changed schools at, at the age of about 10, 11. I had two pals who kept telling me about this series that had been set in space. And they were telling me about beaming up and phasers and, you know, the Vulcan nerve pinch and everything. Uh, I, I kind of thought they, were, thought they were winding me up at first. I thought, how could I possibly have missed this amazing show? Everything I heard about it sounded incredible. And so I was—I uh, only caught up with it on the 
on the repeats and uh, just instantly kind of, uh, you know, as transfixed it, you know, it really created its own, not just its own imaginative world, but it had its totally own way of, uh, its own storytelling. You know, the show has got an amazing impetus. It's so well, uh, the storytelling is so sharp. It moves forward all the time. There's this sense of approaching destruction in a lot of the episodes. And, uh, you know, it's just a wonderful humour and the, the characterization was so vivid. And uh, I mean, it, it, so I guess I started to see the, the first lot of repeats in the early 70s when I was a teenager. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, it's It's interesting because actually just having read about Herb Solo's uh, influence on Star Trek and some of those early ideas, uh, some of those things about the the early Star Trek has kind of flashed me back to that. And then I kind of forgot. So one of the things he talked about was how initially the idea was to tell it in flashbacks. And if you watch the first few episodes, they, the captain's logs and stuff are in past tense. So uh, I, I don't know that just, yeah, the idea of, of that as a storytelling device is really interesting and, and can fuel the imagination of young people for sure. And I'm sure you found that as you were watching as a kid, kind of uh, fueling your ideas for your career as a, a cartoonist and a writer. So tell us a little bit about that career. And, uh, you know, you're known for uh, a number of things, the Candleman novels, for example, uh, an autobiographical comic strip, Abe. Um, tell us a little bit about that career and kind of how it led you into uh, writing about Star Trek now. Well, I, I kind of started out as a cartoonist, really, and um, uh, I used to draw and write my own comics. Uh, I've got a slightly scruffy, impressionistic comic style that's well suited to uh, autobiographical comics, like independent comics. Uh, kind of more of a like the New York style, uh, simple rendered down cartoons. So I'm not a great comic book artist. You know, I couldn't go away and draw Spider-Man. Nobody would buy motivated by the comic but i found as i was drawing these comics i was developing a kind of writing style and people like my ideas so suddenly i found uh in there's in the kind of comic scene in the uk uh, we used to have these kind of monthly gatherings in london in westminster and uh famous people uh, in comics like uh, alan moore you know would turn up there and you could have a drink with him at the bar and uh you know try and sell him your own little comic and uh, it was quite a small world and you, you got to meet editors and things. And suddenly I found people were asking me to write stuff. So quite quickly, I was writing for Marvel UK. Uh, we had our own branch. Stanley himself set up Marvel UK. Um, and uh, we had our own branch of Marvel comics where I was starting to write comics for that. And um, yeah, I found I love writing. I found it a lot easier than drawing. It's much easier to say, you know, 20 uh horsemen came over the hill that it is to that it is to draw it so um i got completely um got completely wrapped up in writing really and people started to you know i was invited to write all kinds of things one of the things i was invited to write for was a star trek magazine uh when next generation came along and uh, i wrote a, a couple of articles for a marvel uh, star trek magazine and um yeah i started to write for the tv and stuff um, animation i've written in the in the uk Often people who had read my comics, like editors, they it was kind of like this great diaspora. People started off in comics, but some of them ended up in TV. Some of them ended up in radio. Some of them ended up, you know, in um, publishing. Suddenly I was getting people saying, would you like to write for kids TV? Would you like to write comedy? And um, it's led me down, led me down many paths. And uh, I've been working with this company, Eagle Moss, who... Um, We've got this publishing wing, Hero Collector, which does all kind of fantasy. We we do Star Trek spaceships and uh, mod, you know model starships and stuff. And recently, we've kind of branched out into uh, publishing. And they've sort of I've been writing a load of stuff about Marvel comics, Batman, um, and things like this for Hero Collector. And uh, they you know they they invited me to. Uh, to start working on some Star Trek ideas. And uh, this is what, this is the line of books we've, we've started to come up with. Excellent. Well, yeah. So the first one uh, that I want to talk about uh, really interesting. And I actually picked this up a while ago, uh, came out uh, back in September, uh, nerd search quibbles with tribbles. Uh, tell us a little bit about the concept behind this book. Well, um, my uh, my project manager, uh, Stella Bradley, had an idea that we could do something which was like next level. Where's Wally? Well, well, we call it Where's Wally in the UK. Then you call it Where's Waldo? Where instead of trying to find like one thing in a picture, you would have a familiar scene 
with loads of little tiny mistakes. So we thought this would appeal to the Star Trek fan because, you know, you get these, you know, fans of a TV show absolutely love to look for the mistakes and to to pick it apart, you know, and to say, well, why did Spock do that? Why, if he can do the mind weld, why didn't he do the mind weld in this episode? And why didn't they, you know, or if they can beam up, if they can beam down to the planet, why don't they all just beam back, blah, 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 you know? So people love to pull apart the storylines. They love to criticize every detail. Why would this work? Why would that happen? So we've created these, um, we've taken eight classic episodes and we've got a great artist, John Ross, to create these lovingly illustrated scenes into which we've put the most annoying mistakes. So like, you know, Spock will be wearing the shirt that he was wearing in the pilot episode when he went down to the Talos 4 instead of his, you know, instead of the shirt he should have been wearing. Uh, we've got tribbles that are the wrong size. You know, we've got... Um, uh, people behaving out of character, like a Vulcan eating a chicken leg. Um, you know, <laughs> because of course they're, veg they're vegetarian. Um, uh, it's just a crazy mishmash of deliberate errors that are designed to drive any true fan of Star Trek nuts. So it's kind of a bit of fun, really. Uh, you've got a, and uh, and there's something from every single story of the original series hidden across the eight spreads. And this is the really big challenge for the true fan. Can you spot the the intrusive element in the pictures? Like, for example, we've got characters walking by in the background, or gadgets, or even a symbol from, like the uh, you know the Terran Empire symbol on the wall of the Enterprise. Uh, we've got loads of sneaky little things that shouldn't be there. We've got the we've got the boxing poster from the background of the City on the Edge of Forever. We were saying, what element um, from the City on the Edge of Forever could we hide in one of these pictures? Uh, because it's such a, uh, a well-known story. And uh, Ben Robinson, uh, who's like a Star Trek expert on uh, Hero Collector, uh, he had this great idea that there was a boxing poster on the wall that people might, like one Star Trek fan in a thousand would remember this poster. So I've given it away now, but not everyone is going to hear this. So, uh, yeah, we've got loads of tiny, sneaky little details in there, which the fans should have fun uh, uncovering. I'm so excited about this book. I know it came out a couple months ago, but I asked for it for Christmas. I know my wife has it somewhere here in the house, and I'm just dying to read this now. I mean, I was before, but now just talking to you, I'm like, I really want to look through it. I'm just curious, though. I might miss something. Is there something in the back that gives you all the giveaways of what's yeah, wrong? Yeah, there's a... We just we decided that, you know, explaining the answers is, is almost as much fun as setting the puzzle. So... In the back section, all of the pictures are broken down uh, so that you can see where the errors are and where the hidden things are. And we in a kind of a simple grid system. And uh, there's quite a chatty answer section where we kind of talk about why we, you know, why this is wrong. And we also have these things called super quibbles, which are things that could have been in the show but weren't. So you get extra points for the super quibbles. Like um, we've got uh, one which is quite funny is we've got Mr. Spock holding a fanged teddy bear because in uh, uh, <laughs> in Journey to Babylon, you've got um, his Spock's mum tells Kirk and McCoy that he used to have a teddy bear when he was little. And uh, later on, Spock says, with six inch fangs, doctor, or something like that. <laughs> and uh, so in the scene, Spock is actually holding a teddy bear with fangs and the... Um, the super quibble is you have to know that that teddy bear shouldn't be there. It was only referenced in conversation. It wasn't seen in the, wasn't seen in the show. So there are really, some of these are really subtle things, but they're kind of fun to discuss. They, it's a bit of a celebration of the show. Really. It's doesn't really matter if you don't get one seven Oh one points, which is the top score. Yeah. Uh, if you don't get that amount of points, you can enjoy along the way arguing about some of the quib, you know, the little, uh, Annoying little mistakes and whether we whether we've made mistakes ourselves. Oh, that's great. Yeah, looking through it, it really does feel like a love letter to Star Trek. I mean, it's definitely apparent in the pages here. And and you mentioned, you know, Ben Robinson coming up with some of these ideas. Was this kind of more of a collaborative effort with a group like a think tank of Star Trek fans? Uh, it was well. Um, I kind of was um, asked to to do the book, but because I'm I go into the office at Hero Collector two days a week. Well, I did until the current uh, situation. So we kind of often discuss it over a coffee or something. And uh, also, I kind of I just think if Ben doesn't get something, then nobody will. So uh, I kind of say, is do you think it's fair 
uh, to have this spear in the background. You know, are they going to know this? And Ben's like, well, yeah, 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 they should get that. Only nobody would get that. So there's a, it's kind of a good, um, he's kind of a good judge of what, what um, the Star Trek super nerd would know or whether we'd gone a bit too far. And uh, yeah, certainly he, he chucked in loads of ideas. Yeah. I also see that you did a Ghostbusters book similar to this. Yep. We, we started off, we were looking at major, much loved uh, fantasy series. And so we started off with Star Trek and then we did Ghostbusters. And uh, weirdly, we've also got a Beatles Yellow Submarine one coming along. Oh, wow. oh very cool. And I, I've also been work. We're working with Bill Morrison on that, who uh, is a great, um, you know, Simpsons uh, contributor. He's done a great job on Yellow Submarine, and uh, we. I've been doing a massive next gen rewatch across the lockdown. I've got up to about episode sixteen of season seven now, uh, so we're preparing to do a next gen uh, nerd search as well. Excellent. Well, that that actually leads me kind of into my next question, which was. Uh, well, can we expect a follow-up? So that that's awesome news. That's really cool. Well, I hope so. After having sat through um, God knows how many episodes of Picard and Co. across the lockdown, it's been uh, it's been a long, long journey. Oh, I feel so sorry <laughs> that you've had to do all that work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm kind of a bit anal about this. It's like if I set out to watch something, I have to watch absolutely every bit. And there's one episode where Riker is having flashbacks and he was reliving moments of other episodes. And I was a little bit iffy about that. I thought, do I really have to watch all the, you know, where they start to show you a scene from Encounter at Farpoint? You think, how long is this flashback going to be? I think it was the last episode of series two. Yeah. Shades, Shades of Grey. Yeah. And I'm kind of watching this thinking, have I really got to rewatch all this? So that was the only one I was a little bit kind of like looking at my mail at the same time. That's, <laughs> that's not the greatest episode of Next Gen Shades of Grey. No. Yeah. That, you're allowed to kind of zone out during that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you would never get a season finale like that now. I mean, you know, it has to be a massive event. You wouldn't just do a bunch of like, um, re, you know, uh, flashbacks and the, and the. Well, uh, the next book that I want to talk about is one we've we've kind of uh, mentioned briefly. Uh, so this one is Star Trek Cocktails: A Stellar Compendium. Uh, and this uh, this hit shelves earlier this month in November. Uh, so yeah, tell us a little bit about this one. I I haven't had the chance to uh, look at this one myself, unfortunately. Uh, other than there, there's a pretty comprehensive preview of it up on Amazon, which is interesting to kind of go through. But yeah, tell us about how this book came about and kind of your goal with with uh, Star Trek cocktails. Yeah, so we've done a lot of Star Trek kind of more serious uh, books and guides to spaceships, starships and things. We were looking for doing doing some fun stuff that would celebrate the show in an interesting way. We started discussing something like Star Trek party food, and uh, I was um, we were brainstorming ideas, and we started looking at these cocktails. We were saying, well, actually, the, the cocktails are kind of more fun than everything else uh, here, really. And uh, it just started to take off. We started to look around at the episodes, and uh, there is a great tradition of drinking uh, in Star Trek. It was, um, you know, when Gene Roddenberry imagined his uh, positive future he actually uh, said that there would be no smoking in the future which was kind of unusual for a 60s adventure tv show no there's not there's no smoking in it but he did think that in the future people would drink and uh, usually with the irish or scottish characters there was some kind of uh, connection with drink and with alien races formal occasions you had just saurian brandy you had um you know, Dr. McCoy and his mint julep. Um, you had lots of, you had Chekhov saying that uh, uh, whiskey was invented by a little old lady from Leningrad in um, The Trouble with Tribbles. And uh, there was a nice line, especially when you get to next gen, you've got 10 forward. Suddenly you've got a bar on the Enterprise and, and Guinan. You know, you've got drinking, intimate moments. There's loads of humor about drinking on there with data and, um, it becomes part of the fabric of the show. It adds a little bit of fantasy. So we we had great fun finding the most interesting uh, already existing Star Trek drinks, like the Warp Core Breach, which is a great cocktail served in Quark's Bar in, in Deep Space Nine. And um, then we kind of thought, well, wouldn't it be great to invent something completely new for this book? So there's when people buy the book, 
they can get some cocktails that simply never existed before. So we invented stuff like the mind meld. <laughs> um, we've got the ice planet, which is Rurapente, uh, based on the Klingon prison uh, world. We've got stuff like uh, Borg Queen and uh, Klingon Bird of Prey. Uh, you know, we've invented lots of fun um, co cocktail concepts, whether you know the type of drink reinforces the you know the, the concept so uh we had great fun putting those together yeah going through like especially the the first part of the book it starts with this kind of summary of drinking in star trek and i think uh you know this uh imbibing has long been a part of the star trek experience and i think more so than a lot of us stop to think and realize so that was kind of fun to kind of uh, uh realize how much of a role that plays uh and i, I do want to know so are you a cocktail expert as well, or uh, were, was there someone along the way to kind of help out with that? We had uh, two mixologists working with us. We've got um, a, a very talented French mixologist or, uh, called uh, Simon, and uh, he's properly credited in the Simon Simon. He's properly credited in the book. Um, we were talking with him on Zoom because we had the concept for the drinks. And we, you know, of course, I had plenty of ideas. And a lot of the cocktails are based on, uh, on existing cocktails, like Kirk's Old Fashioned and McCoy's Mint Julep. Those are cocktails which already exist that we gave a little bit of a twist to. But I'm, although I had my own ideas of how we could characterize these drinks, for example, um, Mr. Spock's uh, Live Long and Prosper, you know, I had a definite idea about what that drink should be. Every idea had to be run past proper cocktail mixologists we had one in the uk one in france we had communication on zoom we had session in a bar uh, putting them some of them together uh, so yeah it was a it was a team effort on the actual cocktails because i i don't come from a um you know that kind of background and uh, although i have consumed a few cocktails in my life <laughs> i wouldn't yet claim to be an expert i'm still gonna have to put in a lot of hard work well glenn with your name on this book i would assume that you have sampled at least every one of these at least once <laughs> i'm working on it i'm working my way when you when you hit the ferengi wall banger you know sometimes it's hard to it, it's hard to go on after that i'm glad you mentioned that i actually just purchased the book ebook as we're talking and i'm going through it right now and that was the one i just stopped on was the ferengi wall banger that one scares me a little with the vodka and the orange juice and such. It's the peach schnapps. You know, that's the, that's what I'm a bit of a sucker for peach schnapps. And I've got it in a couple of the drinks there. And uh, I used to, when I was younger, I used to tour around the Greek islands when I was writing comics and stuff. And uh, there used to be a bar uh, on the island of Naxos where I used to go regularly. And uh, for some reason, if you go there out of season, the drinks are very cheap if they want to keep you in the bar or they just get bored of, you know, of uh, of the bar being empty, and they used to ply me with um, with heaps of uh, peach schnapps and the <laughs> their own uh, raki, and uh, it, it it was certainly was a mind expanding experience. So I wanted there to be a couple of items in the book which had that that quality. I see. There's very uh, there's very much some romantic drinks in here that I might be able to sneak one of these into my wife at some point. One has a little heart on the top. That's the Cupid. Yes, we had to get Q in there. And uh, there's a famous drink in the Savoy cocktail book, which is a classic cocktail book called Cupid. There are lots of different versions of the Cupid, but we thought if it was Q's version, that would be fun. So we've got that in there. And we've also got um, the Vulcan Mind Meld, which is a romantic uh, drink. That's got like champagne, cherry liqueur uh, in it. And um, it's also decorated with edible flowers. So that's kind of a nice... Uh, date kind of occasion drink. Dan, have you ever had a drink with the edible flowers before? I don't don't think that I have. That sounds really fascinating. I've done it once <laughs> in Las Vegas. It wasn't at a Star Trek convention. I was at a business convention. Uh, it was the Consumer Electronics Show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a flower and you eat it. It, it it's like does something to your palate while you're do having the drink. So now I'm curious hmm. about trying this in an alien version. Yeah, maybe I should message some aliens to join us for drinks here on Earth. Ask get get Anson Mount to uh, order in some alien flowers, uh, so we can all have a nice um, mind meld together. You know, at New Year's Eve or something when we get first contact. <laughs> Be great. Is there? Uh, 
Is there a favorite drink or two that you think like every if you if you're going to try one or two drinks from this book, you've got to have this one or something like that? I'm kind of fond of the uh, Mr. Spock themed drinks, which I put which uh, they're not too. I mean, like the Warp Core Breach is an absolute classic. It had like four kinds of rum four kinds of fruit juice and it is served in a goldfish bowl that's more of a party drink that's one when you know all this covid is behind us that's one to get together with your friends and share maybe um that is an epic one and i think people will really enjoy that uh but i like the vulcan ones we've got the live along and prosper which is supposed to it's kind of refreshing rather than uh, a drink that's gonna have you singing the blues kind of thing uh it's kind it's it's uh it's got tequila, sparkling water, fr- fruit juice, uh, Trixie and bubble juice, which I which I think you'll find is a lovely ingredient. And uh, there's another one, Spock Slipper, which is made with Midori, which is a melon liqueur, a Japanese mel- melon liqueur. And that is quite sweet. But if you counteract it with some lime juice or bitters, uh, that's also got tequila. Um, those ones, I think, are my favorites. The... Uh, the the Vulcan the Vulcan end of the drinks I rather like because we've made them a little bit more I can't exactly say healthy but they're a bit more on the uh, social drinking side rather than the getting hammered side like uh, we've got the um, the white Romulan and the uh, Klingon bird of prey which are warriors drinks we've got we've got a wharf uh, wharf smooth move which is a a, <laughs> uh, a cocktail with prune juice in it because uh of course uh, yeah wharf wharf decided that prune juice was a warrior's drink so we had to have uh prune juice uh, themed cocktail so that's one that's one for the for the klingon for your klingon side i mean for, I, i'm not a big person to mix my own drinks i prefer to just go somewhere and have someone do that for me i might try to do some of these but what i do enjoy seeing through this book as i as i mentioned i just bought it i like it because it's not just oh here are recipes it's fun to read just these little summaries to each of the drinks and the names and and the pictures and illustrations that are in the book. And for example, you've got all series covered. I'm looking at Tilly's ping pong beer and how she would approve of your sets of adventure. It may improve your game of beer pong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have you seen the episode of discovery where uh, Tilly is playing beer pong and uh, you you have to catch the ping pong ball in your drink uh, it's quite a memorable scene, so we wanted to have uh, we wanted to have that in there from Discovery, and it's kind of a Mexican type of spice beer uh, that it's based on. So it, it's got quite a kick to it, but I think that would be a really fun one that people would enjoy. And we kind of wanted to get Tilly in there. We wanted this to span uh, every aspect of Star Trek. So we we've even got some uh, references. I mean, Picard had only just been on when we were doing the book. Uh, that was the newest thing. So we've 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 got the flaming Serena in there, and um, we've even we've got um, of course we've got the Earl Grey Martini, which uh, I've been told is a bit of a hit. Uh, a couple of people on Twitter have been saying it's quite hard to get an, a successful Earl Grey cocktail, but uh, apparently that one's been going down well. See, I think what I honestly will do is take this book into a bar and show it to a bartender. Can you make this one? Like, I want to challenge them to make these for me. <laughs> You should. Uh, I just want to say something about the artist. There's a guy called Adrian Salmon who's done a lot of Doctor Who work here in the UK. He's got a lovely uh, stylized quality of arm. We, it just reminded me of the kind of art you sometimes get in cocktail books. And uh, it's got a slightly retro feel, like retro future, if you know what I mean. Star Trek has a kind of that kind of feel sometimes. And uh, he's done some beautiful illustrations with slightly surreal uh, illustrations like we've got one called uh one cocktail called the lime directive and uh, his illustration is of the enterprise orbiting a giant lime uh a giant slice of lime and there's a surreal touch to the illustrations very vivid but we try to also we, we haven't just put in cocktail recipes we've put in some of the most famous drinking scenes and illustrated them so there's like seven key drinking scenes from the history of star trek uh, that intersperse the book. So it's not just about the cocktails. It's a celebration of the role of drink in Star Trek and the, and this, just the fun that we've all had um, watching it. Oh, very cool. It feels like one I'm going to have to uh, pick up because I, I think this could be a lot of fun for sure. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm adding it to my Christmas list now. <laughs> Boldly go and explore uh, the, the universe of, of drinking. <laughs> 
definitely in yeah. moderation <laughs> of course yeah of, yeah, of course yeah, yeah. absolutely no drinking and driving or flying <laughs> well moving on to uh, another book that came out in early november uh mr spock's little book of mindfulness how to survive in an illogical world and i feel like with that title this is one that's that's very fitting to the world we're living in now and uh, you mentioned earlier your uh, your particular drawing style, and I, I feel like what I've seen of this book kind of illustrates kind of uh, that style here. So uh, tell us a little bit about the genesis of, of this particular book. Well, uh, this uh, the idea for this book actually came from Ben Robinson. He, he and I often uh, have coffee together when we're at work, and uh, I've been boring him rigid for the last few years with the tales of myself doing yoga. And uh, I am kind of inclined towards the philosophical. My my comic strip, Abe, uh, which came out as a graphic novel um, with Top Shelf, was um, a, quite a lot of philosophical ramblings in there. And I've always loved these books that try to give you advice about how to live your to live your life, but in a kind of humorous way. You know, they've always amused me uh, how to win friends and influence people, this kind of thing. I've always found those books very funny. And uh, I've always loved books of philosophy. When I was quite young, I was reading books of uh, Tao wisdom and um, thoughtful little commentaries on life. So we wanted to do one uh, with the wisdom of Mr. Spock and not just Mr. Spock, but of Vulcans. And uh, we thought this would be great for the, like you say, for the mirror universe we've been living in the last couple of years. Everything's got a bit strange and um, Spock would definitely be uh, raising an eyebrow at the world that we live in today. So it's about how to survive modern life. It's about relationships, family, work, uh, seen through the eyes of Spock and Vulcan wisdom. Excellent. Yeah. And, and like I said, it feels like something that is kind of needed this way. And, and I, I really like the perspective. So a logical being who must contend with a world that's highly illogical. Uh, so I have to ask, do you identify with Mr. Spock in this way? kind of making your way through this world these days? <laughs> I, th I think I do. And I think a lot of people who like science fiction are the same. You know, I think people who love uh, science fiction, Doctor Who, Star Trek, you know, it's perfectly obvious to us that um, life, uh, we should try to understand people who aren't like us. You know, it's this great theme in science fiction in the 50s why do we why do we always destroy that which we don't understand the, the, the day the earth stood still and it's perfectly obvious if you read science fiction that you need to go you need to see beyond the obvious to, to survive and i think that message uh, is is very clear to a lot of nerds you know we we can see how um being narrow-minded jumping to conclusions being impatient really doesn't get you anywhere and so it's kind of like a a fun kind of look at enlightenment. How can we, how can we calm down a bit and enjoy, uh, enjoy life on a daily basis instead of um, rushing around crazily full of ambition. Uh, Mr. Spock says, you know, uh, you may find that having is not so pleasing a thing as wanting, you know, it may, may be illogical, uh, but it's true. And um, I think that's something that, uh, you know, that's something that people can learn a lot from. There are I, I, some of the, some of Mr. Spock's quotes are very memorable and amusing, like in um, Star Trek Four, nothing unreal exists. We've got a lovely uh, we got a T-shirt with that on. I think that will make people stop when they see that uh, in the street. And um, we've got another one, uh, you know, computers make efficient servants, but I would not like to serve under one. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of Spock's quotes like that, which are, which apply to modern life. And uh, I've, I've produced a whole bunch of cartoons uh, to kind of bring them home to people. Um, it, it, it's, we sort of analyse, um, like, in the modern world, people are obsessed with... People can't do, um, like, one thing at a time anymore. We've all become... Uh, you know, we just can't focus. We're, like, checking our mail while we're watching our favourite TV show. Uh it's the we're ashamed of unitasking. Um, I think it was IBM computers uh, in the in the 60s that invented the word multitasking. And they invented the word multitasking to refer to machines, not human beings. But ever mm. since we heard that word multitasking, we've been frightened to do one thing at a time. Whereas a Vulcan, Mr. Spock, he's got this focus. You know, he will he is quite capable of just doing one task. If he was watching television, he wouldn't uh, he would know who, who the characters were. He would know what their names were. He wouldn't be like us 
talking about Game of Thrones and saying, you know, that guy with the blonde hair who killed that guy last week and the girl who used to be in, you know, this other show, you know, because we can't remember the names of the characters. We don't, we kind of look away. We're on the phone, we're texting, we're, um, you know, we're, we're unable to focus on one thing like we used to be. And uh, we can learn from Mr. Spock, who certainly wouldn't be, uh, you know, posting pictures of kittens on Instagram when he was supposed to be um, saving the ship from destruction because uh, Vulcans don't Vulcans don't go in for that kind of petty uh, petty distractions and uh, they now Mr Spock wouldn't post um, pictures of himself on holiday on Instagram you know he, there would be no logic in uh, what would be the logic in sharing photographs of your holiday with complete strangers and also Vulcans um, don't need to go on holiday because they can. Um, they can actually put themselves into a kind of uh, refreshing uh, coma where if they um, switch off their body functions uh, for a couple of hours, it gives them the same uh, relaxation effect as having a two-week holiday on a Greek island. And uh, Man. I got to say, I could go for a refreshing coma sometimes these days. <laughs> <laughs> if you go into a refreshing coma, you're much you know, less likely to be stumbling around drunk in the middle of the night on a Greek island, unable to find your hotel and, you know, probably spotted by your ex-girlfriend in a pool of tears outside a nightclub um, saying, why doesn't anybody love me? You know, that kind of thing. So the Vulcan way is much more sensible. Yeah. To the point where you're talking about uh, posting pictures on, as you say in, in this book, Spacebook or whatever they have in the 23rd century. I like how you say a Vulcan will take a selfie only if he wants to check on the progress of a blackhead and there's no mirror available. It sounds only <laughs> logical. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a logical view of the world. But I think we need to get back to, I think we're all doing too, too, much, uh, too many things at once. And we need, I mean, I, I love the episode of uh, the original series, Devil in the Dark where everybody else wants to destroy this creature, the, the Horta, which is running around in the dark, um, melting people. Um, and only Spock sees it as a, a valid life form. He doesn't see it as a monster, but nobody else has got the vision or the curiosity uh, to see past the threat into something that could be a wonderful ally. And I think that's a message really for the whole of the planet. You know, we're out there, um, cutting down rainforests and uh, uh, leading creatures to the brink of extinction. And these, these rainforests could contain herbs that may cure our, our illnesses. You know, we have, to, we have to see beyond the obvious uh, and have a slightly more Vulcan view. Uh, infinite diversity and infinite combinations is the Vulcan philosophy, uh, to, to love things for their variety rather than trying to make everything the same which is kind of a more of a kind of corporate branding approach to life isn't it uh, um so i think there's a lot to learn i mean the book isn't to be taken too seriously though there's a lot of fun in the cartoons and there's a lot of jokes in there there's a whole jokey section at the back where we give some of the sources of our vulcan philosophy um there is some great quotes from some famous people like mark twain and winston churchill that we've used in the kind of vulcan disguise but we do credit them in the back of the book this feels like a book that I would want to read either as soon as I wake up in the morning just to put me in a good mood for the day and think of in a more positive and kind of lighthearted way or to read some of this right when I'm going to sleep just to kind of end the day on a light note. You know, it just seems like it's a really fun, light book to read and, and kind of laugh at. But also gather, like you're saying, make you think about, you know, yeah, maybe we are taking things too seriously or maybe I'm multitasking too much. I think I think people are much too hard on themselves these days. We've got to get back, you know, to uh, chilling out a bit and enjoying life. It's it's here for us to enjoy. And I think Mr. Spock has a lovely, curious attitude. You know, there's one episode where they've been imprisoned in some strange uh, force field and while Kirk is trying to get out of it Spock is just admiring the force field you know this is a, he's a mate he's he's uh, impressed with the wonderful science behind it you know and he he's he's like stopping to smell the roses he, he, he even even finds pleasure in the trap that he's been put in because he admires the way it's being done and he's got a, a lovely it's a, a lovely open-minded approach to, to living uh, instead of trying to make the world how he wants it to be he accepts it for what it is and is very curious about it as he keeps saying 
fascinating you know to him the universe is fascinating rather than rather than disturbing i think definitely lessons we could all all use uh, especially these days like you said with the kind of uh fast paced and and being pulled in a thousand different directions i think taking a few minutes and and getting some of that wisdom from this book might be a better way to spend our time for sure well dan uh, please please don't read this and say hey maybe we should cut back on the number of episodes that we're doing <laughs> <laughs> you saw where i was going with that no, <laughs> no. just kidding <laughs> Awesome. Well, yeah, so all three of these books are available now. And uh, definitely, uh, if you haven't picked them up yet, maybe put them on your Christmas list. Uh, give some hints to some loved ones that, you know, maybe one or, one or two of these under your tree would, would not be uh, unwelcome for sure. Because, uh, yeah, I think these are really fascinating. And like, I've had so much fun flipping through nerd search and, and searching for stuff and uh, some of the really challenging parts, I think, are, are just a ton of fun and, and just perfect for the the uber Star Trek fans out there. So, uh, you know, and, and like like I said, the cocktail book, I definitely want to pick that up now. So that's very cool. That's good. We, we had a lot of fun with the quotes in there. We went through all the, uh, you know, all the episodes and things and the, we've done some kind of slightly cheeky or funny uh, elusive kind of quotes to go with the cocktails which i think people will enjoy as well like the grog of khan which is best served cold yes i did <laughs> notice that when i was looking through the preview i i love that <laughs> so is there anything else that you're working on right now uh that might be coming in the future that you can share with us that our listeners might be interested in I can't really give away. Uh, yeah, I've just started up work on some new some new projects, but um, not really allowed to, to to give it away. But like I say, we are we are starting up on the next generation nerd search. So that's uh, I'm trying to I'm, at the moment I'm going through. I have to kind of reduce next generation to eight episodes, which I want to see illustrated. So that's quite tricky. Uh, mm. So uh, I'm going to be um, working on that. Uh, so I've nearly got to the end of my next generation. I shall be lost without it. And my, my rewatch, as I say, I've got about six episodes to go. So, um, uh, uh that's the, that's the exciting new one. There's kind of a bit of a, a follow-up to Mr. Spock's little book of mindfulness, but I've not really allowed to say which way we're going after that. And, um, we've got stuff coming up connected with, uh, well, like I say, we've got the Beatles. We've got the Beatles' uh, Yellow Submarine. I think that's a nice direction to go in after um, after Trek and Ghostbusters. So, uh, yeah, we've got a lot of fun projects coming up. Very cool. Well, yeah, that that TNG nerd search. I mean, you'll you'll have a pre order as soon as that comes available from me, anyway. Because because <laughs> I've I like I said, this book has been great fun. So. Uh, very cool. I just want to put a word for the for the artist John Ross. I mean, mm, one thing mm. I, I think he's done with the original series is he's managed to capture some of the glamour of the series. Um, often, when people do Star Trek in comic form, they seem to want to make it kind of more grim or more dramatic. Um, but you know, you look at the original '60s series; it's very glamorous, very attractive characters, lovely costumes, lovely coloring, uh, lovely styling. And uh, I think he's managed to capture this in some of his illustrations in a way that not many people have, which is one of the other aspects of celebrating the original series. I think that's one of the things that the styling in the book uh, that the artist has done has got back to the spirit of the original 60s show, which was a very glamorous show and uh, very attractive in its whole design sense. Uh, it had a lovely color palette. If you just freeze the frame sometimes, uh, and look at the show. It's beautifully lit, you know, um, in a way that I think some of the later shows aren't. And uh, it's uh, there's such a lot to celebrate there visually. So I think that that's something else I just wanted to, uh, to mention. Yeah, definitely. That's one thing flipping through. It's just striking the the colors and, and the backgrounds and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, incredible amount of work has been put into this to, to give it that that really distinctive look. So, yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, is there anywhere online that uh, people should be following you if if they want to kind of keep tabs on uh, on what's going on in this yeah, world? Yeah, I'm on I'm on Twitter. I've got a website, glendagin.com. You can uh, contact me through there. You can see what other books I've done. I'm going to be putting out some of my autobiographical strips on there as well as people like the cartoon style of Spock. So there's glendagin.com. Also, Hero Collector 
which is kind of like the fantasy end of Eagle Moss. If people go on to just Google Hero Collector, you can see we're doing loads of interesting. We've got a new Voyager book out, for example. Um, we're doing loads of interesting Trek related stuff. We also do Doctor Who. Uh, we've got Ghostbusters, Ecto-1, Car. We're, we're doing loads of fantasy uh, projects on there, which I think people will love. We're doing we're doing clothes now. We're doing Doctor Who t-shirts. We're doing Mr. Spock. You can get t-shirt with nothing unreal ex- exists on it, and uh, live long and prosper, etc. Um, with the cartoons. So I'd say go to Hero Collector. Check out glendakin.com. That would be great. Also, you know, you can get all our stuff um, through Amazon, etc. Excellent. Yeah, and we'll have uh, links to those in the show notes as well. So uh, cool. very very cool. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been a lot of fun and, uh, hopefully giving some people some, uh, interesting gift ideas for, for Christmas and stuff too. Uh, so thank you so much. That's been great to talk to you and thank you for listening to, to my mad world of uh, publishing. <laughs> I have a feeling you have a dream project of doing a nerd search for Dr. Who. And I think that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be great fun. There'd be so much that, to cover. Um, where would you start? I'd like to do a black and white one, you know, from the original, from the sixties, uh, start off with the black and white book and see how many people bought it. They probably wouldn't, but uh, that'd be pretty cool for sure. <laughs> yeah. That would be fun. Um, but I'm not sure if we are allowed to do Doctor Who yet, but we, you know, who knows if the nerd search brand takes off, they might come clamoring to us and saying, we want to do the Daleks. You know, we want to get in there and uh, that'd be great fun. Yeah. feels like it'd be a good fit for sure. So that's it would cool. be because of the, of the humor, you know, I think because Star Trek is funny as well as dramatic. Star Trek has always been a very witty show. Uh, I think that's what attracts the fans. They like the humorous side of it as well as the dramatic side. And Doctor Who is a similar mixture of uh, humor and eccentricity and drama, uh, which appeals to the, the, the nerd mindset. And uh, I think it would be a good fit. Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, Bruce, where can people find you online if they want to follow what you're up to? I am on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. I'm also on Instagram at Admiral Rex, no underscore. Uh, I'm also on Goodreads. I never mentioned that, but yeah, you know, just look for me on Goodreads. I guess it's just Bruce Gibson. And uh, then I'm also occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast. Excellent. You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S, just Star Trek backwards. Uh, you can find me on youtube.com slash Productions. You can find the show on Twitter at Positively Trek. And join our discussion group on Facebook. Just search for Positively Trek. Uh, we're under the Positively Trek discussion group. And uh, join up there and we'd love to have you. Well, thank you all so much for listening this week. And as always, stay positive. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.